We've all heard the statistics cited about 80% of businesses failing within the first five years. And of those that make it five years, 80% of those will fail in the next five years. So how do we keep our business from being one of those statistics? What are the most common causes and how do we avoid them? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. There's seven primary reasons a business will fail. I call them the seven deadly defects. Today, in part seven of our series, We're going to talk about the one we've all seen firsthand for sure, if we've been in the workforce for any time at all, poor leadership. Now, like most of you, in my career, I've worked for plenty of crummy bosses. Uh, I would argue that I wouldn't even be an entrepreneur and would not have even started my own business if I had not worked for um, several and a couple in particular, just horrible bosses. (laughs) They were were just not... um, not fun to work for. Um, and, and, and some were tyrannical. Some were very much my way or the highway. Some were prone to throwing, throwing temper tantrums. Um, I, <laughs> you, you know, we, we've seen, we've seen or heard of stories of that. On the other hand, there are some that were super passive and they weren't any better uh, leaders. Um, in those cases, um, they would duck responsibility and and uh, rather than take on uncomfortable situations with employees or customers or whatever, they would kind of leave that burden to employees and they would leave uh, very unpleasant situations in within groups or teams or whatever in place um, because they didn't want to, uh, they didn't want to deal with it. Um, I've worked for people who were super arrogant and had to prove over and over and over how much smarter and better and more talented they were than the employees that, that uh, reported to them. And I've worked for people who were super passive aggressive and would, you know, make snarky comments and things like that to, again, kind of bolster their ego or whatever. And I've worked for bosses who taught me a lot. Um, I've had, I've had a, the great fortune of working um, with and for, for some people um, who were just excellent at the the craft of being a leader. And uh, they taught me a ton. And I'm super thankful to those folks. So we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about what, quote unquote, good leadership is. Some of it's environmental. Um, you know, if you look back in history and you look at um, different generals who were, who are still considered today fantastic leaders, um, they may have been leaders in, in wartime. And maybe if they were leaders in, in a time of peace that we would not even know who they were. Um, so there's certainly environmental factors. Um, if you ask anybody who's been in a leadership role for more than a few years, you know, CEOs of companies and, and again, a lot of folks look at political or military leaders and ask these kinds of questions like what makes a great leader? Um, 
oftentimes their answers are a little different. Um, they all have compelling merit. I would say that, you know, many, many people have, a, um, uh, things that, that they consider to be very integral to being a good leader. And oftentimes I would agree with those things. Um, today I'd like to talk about two that I think are critical, but they're also rarely discussed. Um, at least in the, my experience in taking in books or, or, you know, listening to people speak on podcasts or radio shows or audio books or whatever. Um, these are just a couple of traits that I don't hear mentioned a lot that for me personally have been um, very critical in, in being successful, managing people and picking a, a successful path for an organization to go. One of those is identifying um, in any situation whether it's a stressful one or not, but especially in stressful situations, um, whose needs are being addressed with how I'm behaving. So as human beings, we're fallible. We have needs. We make decisions and we act based upon serving our needs. First and foremost, it's a survival technique. Um, and we, we can't fault ourselves for being wired the way we are. That's how we're wired. But in a leadership role, um, it's not, it doesn't take a whole lot of um, external discomfort being applied for us to really kind of um, retreat to our um, instinctual behavior, which is preservation, um, safety, territorialism, emotional strength and support and stability. Um, and those needs that we have as human beings don't necessarily uh, compel us to act in the best interest of the team. They'll compel us to act in our own best interest. And we see that when we work for people who are tyrannical or super passive or arrogant or passive aggressive, um, in those situations, they're, they're, they're behaving and acting in a manner which suits their needs. Their needs come first. And then if the needs of the organization or the team um, are met along the way of, of uh, filling their own needs, then great. If they're not, then that's just the way it is. And so I think that this is a critical thing for us to stop and recognize in any situation, but especially those where employees are pushing our buttons or, or making a scene publicly or just not following a process or not getting on board with taking care of a customer, whatever the situation is, how we go about addressing that, um, I think it's critical for us to ask, are we serving our needs? Are we serving the needs of the team? For people... Uh, all of us are kind of, um, if you take any kind of personality assessment, you'll, you'll basically be kind of lumped into four categories. Um, you know, there's an axis. Do you prefer tasks or people? And then there's one, are you an introvert or an extrovert? You know, there, that develops like four quadrants that people will fall into. For people who are task-oriented, uh, they're much more likely to be tyrannical, my way or the highway. And this is very easy to see. For people who are people-oriented or relationship-oriented, they want harmony. They don't like to upset, upset the apple cart. Um, and they definitely do not like to be the bad guy. Uh, this is sometimes harder to see, but it's just as damaging. So one of the ways that people can um, find out if they're acting in the best interest of the team or acting to serve their own needs, um, for task people who lean towards wanting to be right, they have facts and data and spreadsheets and um, I speak as a person who falls into this category. Um, task people like to be right. They like to have proof and um, that's what drives them. So when they, when they get kind of 
backed into a corner, you're going to see a lot of that. And they are prone to that tyrannical dictator, I'm laying down the law and this is the way it's going to be kind of thing. And in those situations, task people like me can ask this question. Do I want to be successful right now or do I want to be right? And that the answer to that will uh, dictate our course. Uh, sometimes it's necessary to to be firm and kind of lay down the law on things. And other times we're doing that out of a need to, to protect our image or feel safe or whatever. For people who lean towards being more relationship oriented, they like to be uh, liked. No matter what, they do not want to be the person that has to give bad news to somebody they don't like. They definitely do not want to be the person to have a confrontational exchange with somebody in which they have to um, say something which may leave the employee or whoever else is in the conversation to hold a grudge later. Uh, relationship people want to be liked. So for them in those situations, and they're trying to figure out if I'm acting on my to address my needs or the needs of the company or the team or whatever, they can ask right now, do I want to be successful or do I want to be liked? And the answer to that will often, uh, or am I trying to be successful or am I trying to be liked? Might be a different version depending on what's going on. So in extreme situations, uh, we can ask those two questions. If you're more prone to tasks, you can ask if you're trying to be right. Or if you're more prone to relationships, you can ask yourself if you're trying to be liked. Um, for every scenario, we must first determine if we're asking or reacting based upon what the team or company needs or based upon serving our own needs. For me, in my experience and seeing what great leaders look like and what not so great leaders look like, this is a key thing that the great ones do well. And it's a key thing. The ones that don't lead very well, rarely, if ever, even acknowledge this. So based on my experience, this is something that I think is a fantastic, easy way for us to, I should say simple way for us to determine if we're on the right track as a leader by simply asking our question in the moment. The next thing I would suggest for people and I would look at for good leaders, something that I think is really important, but is rarely talked about, is accepting reality on reality's terms, um, aka determining um, and working with what is, not what we wish was, but what is their actual real situation? What is really going on? Um, and an easy example of this is... Um, you know, people, there are several or many business owners who've been in business for a variety of various lengths of time, uh, some not very long, some for a long time, who still struggle with accounting and reading a P&L and just understanding what that means and what the data means and all that kind of stuff. And it's easy for folks in that situation to um, convince themselves or let themselves become come to believe that because they don't understand the accounting, they don't understand how to interpret the P&L. It's just not that big of a deal. And the, the, the truth is that's not reality. The financial health of your company doesn't care whether or not you understand it. It is. It is good sometimes and it is bad sometimes. Our ability to determine that does not change the fact that there is a financial situation. And again, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But our ability to interpret it does not affect that financial situation. It is. It exists. And just because we choose not to pay attention to it or choose not to educate ourselves to learn how to interpret the data doesn't change the fact that there is a financial situation going on there. And sometimes it's going to lead to great things and sometimes it's not. Um, 
Or another one, it, it would be like, what's the real problem we're facing would be a question we want to ask. Like, um, rather than making assumption as to what we think the problem is, let's find out what the real problem really is. So if we're not getting buy-in on a particular issue or process, um, we can do things like declare our team should just get on board because we said so, and that's the way it is. But we'd be way better served to find out why they aren't buying in. Um, you know, there's a handful of reasons people don't do things. Um, you know, ultimately sometimes it comes down to, they just don't want to, but when they don't want to, there's a reason why they, you know, they don't understand why it's important. They don't understand why it's their responsibility. There's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people may not want to do something. And so in those situations that the reality is we, we have an obligation and a responsibility to figure out what is prohibiting compliance or people buying in or participating in what we need them to do versus just taking a stance that they just should. Um, that's just not reality. Uh, reality. That's not how people operate. That's not how they're wired. Um, and certainly when unemployment's under 4%, you're not going to have very much success taking that approach. So in both cases, um, determining whether or not we're serving our needs or the company's needs or the team's needs, or, uh, or I should say, and taking, on, uh, taking reality on, on reality's terms and accepting what is, in both cases, um, the more uncomfortable the situation, the less likely we're to do either one of those things. And in both cases, we need a cue. We need something to tell us it's time to stop and pause and um, assess. Are we, dealing, are we addressing our needs or the team's needs? And are we dealing with reality? Or are we dealing with a situation that we wish was reality? Uh, you know, we, we hear people say things uh, very generically like, I have a great, we, our company has a great culture. Great. How do you know that? What what specifically is telling you that? If it's just because you're not hearing any complaints, um, I would say having a group of people who are not complaining and having a great culture are not necessarily the same thing. Um, you know, what, what, what specifically is our measuring tool for telling us? Uh, whatever it is. So culture is a great, a great example of just like generic statements people make that uh, business owners make that um, may or may not be true. Sometimes it's true and sometimes we wish it was true. Um, but in, in any case, uh, what I find to be really helpful is to have a cue, something to tell us to stop and pause in those moments, especially uncomfortable conversations we're having or uncomfortable situations in those moments, we least likely to want to hear another voice, even our own little internal voice. It's critical that we stop and assess. Are we, are we taking care of the team's needs? Are we taking care of our own needs? Are we dealing with reality? Or are we dealing with something we wish was reality? Uh, I think those are pretty critical distinctions. Um, so the first step in all this is what's our cue? You know, for some folks, um, they may tie, you know, stop and count to five or count to 10. Or um, for some folks, it might be twisting their wedding ring or, you know, conjuring up an, a positive image or an image of something to tell them to, you know, hey, just take a breath here and, and reflect. Whatever it is, um, that's probably the, the nothing else matters. We can't do that part. We have to find a cue to force us to stop and pause in those moments. We are, we are likely to be reacting rather than acting. We're likely to be defaulting to um, sometimes our own worst behavior, not our most productive behavior. And we have to find a reason to make us stop and ask questions. Uh, and this doesn't mean we stop for 10 minutes. You can ask yourself if you're wanting to be right or successful in you know three seconds or less, probably. In, in your head, you could probably do it in a millisecond. Um, but it's important we have these, we, we pause and, and, and make sure we're being deliberate 
and what we're trying to do, and we were we're uh, making good choices, not just defaulting or reacting. So, uh, again, we've all seen in our careers what bad leadership looks like. Hopefully, we've also seen what good leadership looks like. I've been blessed enough to see both. Uh, meaning I was blessed enough to see good leadership. I wasn't, I wasn't only in situations where people were not great leaders. Um, and you know, we have to keep in mind that the number one reason people leave a job is because of the relationship with their direct supervisor or manager. Number two and number three and number four, are not even close. Um, if we want to do things to really uh, change our uh, retention rates, our, our recruiting rates, um, our, reduce our training costs, the number one thing we can do is develop good relationships with our employees. And uh, to do that, we need to be a good leader. And to do that, we need to make sure we're doing a whole bunch of things right. But again, two that I think that are critical that, that aren't talked about a whole lot are dealing with reality on reality's terms and making sure when applicable, which is almost always the case, we're, ta- we're addressing the team's needs, not addressing our own needs. Um, so. We may not always ponder what makes a good leader as we're going to do about our business day to day. And I would argue that probably most people uh, who are business owners um, strongly believe that they are good leaders. I have not really met very many people who are business owners who say, I'm not a very good leader. I just don't, I don't encounter that. Um, so in two of the traits we, that we know make a good leader, um, and again, which are rarely discussed, accepting reality on reality terms and, and establishing whose needs are being met in every situation, not just the tense ones, every ones, but especially the tense ones. And um, in the case of accepting reality, the questions we can ask are nearly always something like what is really going on? What is really the root cause of the problem or what is really the situation? And the follow-up question would be, how do I know? What is there to tell me that? And if the sec, if the answer to the second question, how do I know is I don't really have a good answer for that then that's just my gut and my gut could be wrong. And my gut could be telling me what I want to hear rather than what really is. And in the case of identifying whose needs are being served, we can just ask, we can frankly ask whose needs are being served right now, mine or the team's Uh, or, and and again, my version is asking, do I want to be successful or do I want to be right? And for people who are more prone to be passive and want to have uh, happy relationships as a priority, the question could be, or should be, um, do I want to be liked or do I want to be successful? So uh, again, we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about leadership. Um, there, there's probably more books written on leadership. Maybe, maybe number two only to say, well, maybe number three, sales, weight loss, and leadership are probably the top three. Um, anyway, there's, there's probably more books written about leadership than just about any topics, maybe uh, except for those two. Um, so there's, you know, there's a million things that are factors in this, but in, in my case, my experience in my career, um, these are the things that stood out to me as what made good leaders and what did not make good leaders. So um, that's what we got on. This is wrapping up our series of the seven deadly defects. Um, uh, we've covered the, the seven most likely reasons a business is going to fail. Uh, poor leadership is something we've all experienced for sure. Um, and it's something that we just need to, in my opinion, uh, put conscious Uh, deliberate thought into regularly, not just um, when things aren't going well or not just when things are going well, like, you know, make a habit of of contemplating this on an ongoing basis. So uh, that's it for this week. Um, I would like to just let you know that if you have a specific topic you'd like me to address, you can shoot me an email at brian 
at successful-concepts.com. Again, that's Brian at successful-concepts.com. Shoot me an email there if there's a topic you'd like me to take on on this podcast. I'd be glad to do it. Uh, if you know people who are business owners in service industries and you think they could benefit from this podcast, please share this with them. If you've taken the time to give us a rating or review, I sure appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. If you haven't, maybe you could take a moment to do that. That's how we grow podcasts. And uh, that's it for this week. I hope you guys all have a fantastic week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.